0: Follow the path. The Bear's Grove podcast. Adult-level discussion of role-playing as a storytelling art at bearsgrove.com. Welcome to the Bear's Grove podcast. My name is Sam Jupp, and I am your host. This is episode 45. Today on the program, we're interviewing Rob Bowl. This program runs 1 hour and 3 minutes. So, I spoke to Rob a few weeks ago, and this is about his new ash can uh, of a game called Misspent Youth. And I look forward to your reactions to this interview. It was a lot of fun to do. Rob is one of those people who um, really can keep up with you when you're going and throwing a lot of things in a bunch of different directions. And you're able to, he's basically able to sort of come right back at you and keep going and it's very dynamic and uh so I really like that. Um I had a great time doing it. Over on my audio novel Heart of the Hunter, we are on chapter 20 and chapter 21 is in the can being uh listened to and edited and hope to have that up soon. Um not too many uh chapters left to go. So I'm excited about that. I'm also excited about DragonCon coming up, where I'm going to be on the definitely going to be on the DragonCon podcast staff. I found that out just recently. Um, and I really do appreciate you guys listening in. And without further ado, here's a uh, promo, and then we'll get right into the interview.
1: <laughs> this ought to teach him. Evening, Brownie. (gasps) How about you step away from the axe? I am not a brownie. I am a fay. Fay. Wait a second, Robin Goodfellow. Ah, so you know of Pack the Trickster? Yeah, I know you, Acrianus the Giddy Galleon, a dice game. (sniffs) Remember me? Oh. (laughs) Billy Bob Baddings. Of course. Kind of rude, don't you think? To come calling on an old friend from the stomping grounds and just help yourself to his weapons. Sounds like trouble. Well, you started it. Beg your pardon? You stole a scribe's birthday. My cousin's scribe. The Dark Goddess isn't pleased you're releasing your new adventure on 080808. That's why the promo's called Billy's Crazy 8's Shifter. August 8th is when the Case of the Pitcher's Pendant is out on Amazon.com, and I'm looking for listeners to give up the greenbacks for the dwarf detective. Well, aren't we feeling a bit full of ourselves, Scrappy? Or perchance you do not know that Digital Magic, the sequel to Chasing the Bard, will also be available for purchase on August 8th. (laughs) Happy birthday, Pip! Two sequels to two award-nominated books, available on the same date? Like I said, sounds like trouble. Yes, double trouble.
2: On August 8th, 2008... Show your support for The Dwarf Detective, The Faye Trickster, and podcast fiction. Purchase your copies of The Case of the Pitcher's Pendant by T. Morris and Digital Magic by Philippa Ballantyne on Amazon.com. We've seen the days of the FDO and Palm's Daddy. Now comes 8808, the day of double trouble.
1: <sighs> All right, so we're working together. Behave. You think you can make me? I got Beatrice here. What do you got? Not bad, Shifter. Not bad.
0: I'd like to welcome to the virtual studio of the Bears Grove uh, mister Rob Bowl. Hey Hey, Rob. Rob is hey. a uh, is a game designer and a podcaster, uh, and uh, he has written a game among uh, many other games. I imagine uh, Mispit Youth.
3: It's actually my first game that I've written so far, but I've got a, a, an idea for like you know three dozen more, like everyone else. But
2: it's okay. the first one.
3: I- yeah, oh wait! I'm, I'm sorry. Sure. I, I, that's not true. I actually did complete another game, which is, uh, which was for um, for Game Chef, uh, bitch Goddess. But yeah, this is my. I, I kind of don't count that, but
0: <laughs> kind of doesn't count, huh? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's Game Chef, so it counts a little, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah, no, it does. I, I, I'm just being overly self-deprecating. I get. Yeah. Well, I I remember you being part of the same Game Chef that I was, so I, that's why I mentioned that. Um okay cool. Well, um why don't you give me a little background as to what uh, motivated you to create a game about uh what essentially is uh I guess can be summed up as what juvenile juvenile uh science fiction delinquents?
3: Yeah, uh the the I had a bunch of taglines. Uh the original tagline was uh was a game of um, Juvenile delinquency and being awesome uh, <laughs> teenage, yeah. rebe- teenage rebellion in this science fiction world or something the latest one I, I'm using and I like it uh quite a bit is uh, uh teenage rebellion at a fucked up future
0: oh yeah that's got the, <laughs> that's got the punk sort of zine quality to it yeah. Yeah, which the book does. Um, I think
3: that, I mean, there is some concern that I'm overselling that, but you know what, it's a cover. You need, I think you need to oversell
0: something on a cover. Well, and, you know, compared to certain other covers we could talk about, um, this cover is relatively tame. Yeah.
3: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, are you referring to Coxzilla? <laughs> yes. You know, I just I realized I failed to answer your question. What What made me want to do it? Um, yeah, it's like a, it's a science fiction game, Uh about teenagers fighting a bad guy called the Authority uh, that you collectively make up. So why did I want to do it? Um, I played an unsatisfying uh, game of another game uh, with, with my friend Judd, uh, and we were both sort of shell-shocked after that, and I was thinking, you know, there was a part of that that was really fun, which was, uh, you know, shit-talking one another. Uh, which is something that Judd and I do a lot. Um, you know, met in junior high, and we basically kept the same manner of interacting since then. And uh, so I was like, I like you know that happens whenever I game. Why? I don't think there's a game where that's really uh, not. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Anachronistic. Mm-hmm. Um, not out so, of
0: place. Pardon? Not out of place.
3: Yeah, yeah. well, yeah, I mean, specifically, it was anachronism that I was concerned about because, you know, you play a lot of fantasy games and people are calling each other shitheads and it's like, eh, you know, uh, <laughs> it doesn't feel quite right. I mean, if it was the Deadwood game, maybe, but. Right.
0: I see what you're saying. So instead of some sort of fantasy word or some sort of Elizabethan insult kind of thing, they they say shithead and that, that's an mm-hmm. anachronism.
3: Yeah, Yeah. so yeah. I mean that's clearly, I didn't design a whole game around that, but that was the first thing that I wanted to do, that and the fact that at the time there were no indie science fiction games, and I like science fiction a lot, and I mean, there I'm not going to say none, there, there was Shock, which is kind of a big you know, deal, but mm-hmm. uh, I don't think that Shock was out when I first got the idea for the game, or it wasn't all the way out, so. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And there's still room in that arena, I mean. certainly for more science fiction. Um, interesting. Okay. Uh, I know that from my experiences interacting with people in the gaming, in gaming, uh, in general, uh, that science fiction tends to attract people who are interested in more of a realistic story, um, who are interested in more of something that is, um, something they can sort of depend on. Um, Mm -hmm and that they can touch and feel and, and that they can really get into. Um, how does that, how does the aspect, the sort of rationalist aspect of science fiction inform your design uh, with this? I mean, because certainly you could do a game about juvenile delinquents in a fantasy world or in a horror situation or in a, you know, a historical uh, Victorian England or whatever. Right, right.
3: Or, or, as I say in the uh, in the additional rules section mm-hmm. uh, uh, the um, american Revolution mm-hmm. uh, yeah i mean i first of all, uh, to anyone listening, um, all you need to do is buy my game and, and play with it a little, and you can do that so you know by all means, don't buy any other games that come out like that that <laughs> uh no, but um by by the rationalist thing, do you mean like the you know scientific accuracy
0: thing or um, the... speaking of rationalism uh, as a like response to um superstitions uh, oh. spirituality uh, um, more as opposed to the more magical slash romantic um, uh, genres of fantasy and and other and like pulp and that sort of thing. Right. So, you know, to,
3: to, to, as I said, the, the original cause for the game was to, uh, well, you know, what? let me, let me go back a little bit and fill mm-hmm. out something outside, which is that a major design goal of the game. And I think it's clear if you've read it yeah. is to be about friendship and to reinforce friendship because, um, I'm a very non-competitive. Well, I'd like, I like to think of myself as a non-competitive person, but in point of fact, I'm extremely competitive and I feel like, shit about myself when i get competitive because i don't like the person i become and so many indie games are like pushing right at the throat you know where everyone's always out to backstab each other so this game is is deeply deeply about friendship and and um i forget what the fuck answer that oh yeah so (laughs) uh so that's something you can do with anything i don't know why i brought that up uh well i mean no
0: like okay i get i get what you're saying because um well at, the, at it's very basics, uh, Story is drama, and drama is conflict. So mm-hmm. a lot of people generate conflict in their in their games by uh, ratcheting up the interpersonal conflict. Yes. And clearly, what you're doing with this game is you're drawing a line at the very beginning and say, "Look, you guys, you players, you you misfit youth, whatever. You're full offenders. yeah, you're offenders. You full. That's what I meant. You full offenders." are in one group and the authority is in another. Right. And I'm, I'm, I'm drawing that line very you know, strongly. To so uh, the
3: extent that you can't even uh, systemically negate one another. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so I, let me try and get back to the rationalism thing, which okay. is uh, I think that by making it – a science fiction game and making it not uh i mean you know it's it's a sciencey science fiction as you want it to be mm-hmm. but uh in terms of making it a science fiction game as opposed to a fantasy game i think that it pushes it more toward a political game than it might be if it was just you know let's save the castle or save our town or whatever mm-hmm. like uh i'm trying to think of a fantasy kids group thing and i can't really think of one but uh, uh, let's take the the, the George R. R. Martin books, which is about you know these brothers and sisters who are fighting bad people in a way. Right. Um, that is that is more mystical and that is more political. Well, it's it's ugh, I care go negating myself. That's a very political series. Uh, yeah. Anyway, to answer your original question, I think the effect, if this is what you're looking for,
0: uh-huh. of well, I'm of just doing really interested in what you have to say. I'm, I'm- <laughs> So I'm not looking for anything specific. There's no right or wrong answer. All
3: right, I just want to make sure I'm addressing the question you're asking about my own idea of it. But uh, I would say that in making it a science fiction game as opposed to a spiritual or or, or fantasy game, it uh, necessitates you underlining the political aspects of the game. Um, And I can't really back up why that is, but it feels true to me.
0: Right, I mean, well, clearly... From the very word "go you 're bringing uh politics into it because yeah. there's an authority, yeah <laughs> the authority is essentially the government or is essentially i mean I noticed that there's a lot of interesting commentary in the kinds of authority that there can be i mean i'm not su- i'm not sure if that was a purpose uh, your purpose or not, but there was a lot of like okay there's a a, a utopian kind of authority there's a uh there's a um, bureaucratic authority, you know. It, it just, you know, they're not necessarily evil. They're just really, like, overorganized, or yeah. whatever.
3: Yeah, um, uh, yeah. There's definitely. Uh, it was. It was actually the the different types of things which you get both at the authority creation level and the character creation level uh, were largely inspired by the uh, World of Darkness stuff. Uh, that, you, that you've worked on um which which was you know you've got this framework of you know five possible choices th- of each of three different you know things and you wind up with i don't know what the permutation math is on that but quite a few different possible archetypes um that i always found really interesting and so yes so, to, so you've got this authority and you basically stat it out with uh, Three different stats with five choices each, and then a descriptive statement to to really give it um, form, like a skeleton, and then life with the with the open uh, section. So so yeah, you wind up with with you know just sadistic, violent, evil motherfuckers, or people who are doing what they're doing because they think it's what's best for you. Um, and I think that it's fun to play with that range of things.
0: Right, and in addition, I. I'm getting that um, the authority player is going to be able to kind of change and morph that and add elements as they go along in the story. Um, the one, the thing that was interesting to me um, about this system, uh, about the way that you have structured it, is that you have a definite structure to the episodes.
3: Yeah, yeah, that was a big deal to me. I, I, I don't remember exactly where it came along, but the the game is structured like a three act, like follows a three act structure of, as 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 you would get in drama.
0: Right. Um, you could you could almost slot commercials into these. I mean, that, <laughs> that's awesome.
3: Yeah. Um. Um, yeah, I, I posted about it somewhere and I got no reaction. And then I posted about it somewhere where things are fuzzier and touchier. And I was like, please, someone. No one paid attention to this. And and it became, uh, you say that I suck by deciding to put this out. And it was like, ah. Oh! And I was going to abandon it all. And then I then I heard um, Luke Crane talk about Burning Empires on Ryan Macklin's show, where Luke was basically saying, my game does this, and you may hate it, but. It's not for you, and if you don't like that, go fuck yourself. And and like that was really inspiring to me, uh, and made me just decide to say, you know, there may be people who will be offended by this, uh, but that's okay. And you know, as as I'm sure you've heard over and over again, people if people are offended, that is not only not a bad thing; it can actually be a good thing as long as you're not, you know, faking things to come to be offensive. You know.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, if they're offended, they're thinking, yeah, and, and, the, and that way you—or at least reacting, feeling something. Right, there's something going on. You've kicked over their anthill, and right, um, that's good. That's what art does, right? That's what supposedly what art is supposed to do. I mean, I don't know how you feel about role-playing games as art. That's a big, that's a big topic, but. Yeah. Uh, I certainly think it's possible for
3: uh, role-playing game texts to be art, and I think it's possible for a given session of a role-playing game to be art. And I don't think that um, it's being art makes it precious and pretentious and untouchable. I think that people have been, uh, this is where I get political again, people have been fed this notion of, of art as a high culture thing for rich people and educated people. And the fact is that, it's making art is what it, what is you make art when you're a human being and have a little bit of extra time,
0: you know? Right. Exactly. And, and when you're, um, I mean, you you make art by getting up in the, in the morning and, and chewing your cornflakes. I mean, to a certain extent, it, it, it you go to get, you can only get into Warhol and all that stuff. You, you make art by stocking your shelf with Campbell soup cans but um you know anyway i mean if i you thought you going to go with
3: like you know a euphemism for what happens after the cornflakes make oh
0: it oh well there's that too <laughs> I, i'm sure we, i can, my, might even be able to get a uh, grant for that um anyway yeah, some- <laughs> anyway moving right along sure. i really did i really did enjoy the fact that you have these seven steps in the and seven scenes essentially and that's tightly scripted i mean it's the thing of it is a lot of people go, oh, my God, that's terrible. I mean, they might say that, but if they try it, they'll find the constraint will cause them to be a little more creative, I think, in, their, in the scene uh, framing. Yeah. And, and, and Sorry, go ahead. One of the things I learned from Primetime Adventures, running Primetime Adventure, is it's very difficult to frame scenes that will be compelling because you have to, because uh, you're, uh, especially with a group of people who aren't used to story games, um, for me, it was very difficult to frame scenes that didn't turn all mushy. You know, that mm-hmm. Did, didn't lose, I mean, they, they didn't have a kind of, uh, kind of a boundary inside of them. Um, I didn't know where I was going next. You know, yeah. there, it was difficult to, because I was sort of throwing tendrils out and hoping somebody would grab a thread and... It was it was interesting, but um, yeah. One yeah. thing
3: that I found is that as a GM, um, games even games that I like a lot where they don't give me something to to do as a GM, like they don't tell me how to structure the session, I find those games really hard uh, to play uh, to GM. Um, they're fun to play, but they're much harder to GM, and and so. Um, and increasingly so, the longer you know, I I have this game in my head, and I even find myself sort of injecting a a classical three act structure into sessions of games that don't have it because it makes it so much easier for me um, to to you know to help produce something that looks like a story, uh, and and that's that's a whole other thing that I've got, which is that you know I feel as though we call these you know the area of of internet Onia that i live in calls the games that they create story games and the games that they play story games and i think and i understand what they mean by that but it got me thinking like very few games have actually rules that promote story most of the rules in these story games um either promote um character exploration and theme exploration which is awesome but not quite story um or um, perhaps the phrase "story games" refers to the fact that the rules interact with story things rather than with physics. Um, right. So I, was, so I was like, you know, if 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 the uh, system does matter, make is true. Mm-hmm. Then, if you want to have a story, your rules should guide. Uh, the creation of a story, uh, which I hope doesn't sound dickish to everyone who hasn't done this. Uh, I don't mean it to. I'm just saying that that like I, I I that I made that click in my head, and I was like, well, let me do that, and I think it's been very useful.
0: Well, like this is your game, so you you know you uh, have opened up your living room. You let us come down and, and sit, and we we should not bitch about the uh, upholstery, okay? <laughs> um, it's a nice living room. I like it. Okay, it's a little modern, but I, I like it. Tell me, uh, well, one other thing I wanted to say about this structure is that people don't be worried because what happens is he goes through, it doesn't just say, uh, here's your structure, Um, you know, look it up. He uh, (laughs) goes through and says, this is what scene one exposition is, you know, this is what scene two does, this is what scene three does. I mean, there's, there's lots of hand holding here, which I like a great deal.
3: Yeah, I uh, it's it's become a bit of a of a layout nightmare, but um, I've been extremely voluminous about examples, and hopefully there's enough for people. And yeah, I, I with the scene structure things, I try to say, okay, here here's what the scene needs to do. Uh, let me tell you about that. Now, here's what the scene needs to do in a summary. And now here's an example of that. Um, so hopefully people don't feel uh, it, it, it is a strong structure but it's a structure that is native to the telling of stories so it's no more confining than every person who's written a story ever it's just i'm making you explicitly aware of that stuff
0: right well and the thing of it is hey you know it's it it, it should work i mean i have not run this game yet i won't say that i've run it i intend to run it but i hope i get to run it at dragon con
3: that would be awesome
0: um, i would love to um but let me just say that, uh, that that was one thing that really jumped out at me. Um, now, talk to me a little bit about friendship questions. They seem a little familiar. Uh, I've seen this kind of structure in other games, like in Spear of the Century, where you have aspects of novels that you're um, sharing, and there's lots of other games that have this. But a little, tell me a little bit about friendship questions as, as you apply them here.
3: Sure thing. So, uh, again, I don't remember where this came up. It might have been in a conversation with uh, Epi, who, uh, Epidia Ravishal? I fucking, I know this guy. (laughs) Right, yes. Uh, Epidia Ravishal, I think, is how you pronounce his last name, and I feel bad about not being able to just pull that out. But anyway. where you we know, were like, well, okay, how is your game about friendship? And I wound up injecting a bunch of things that made the game about friendship, and one of them was was the friendship question. So the friendship question is a thing where at the start of each session, you ask the person sitting to your left a question about the friendship between your characters. That question can be in character or out of character, either in the answer or in the question. So, you know, four options. We never mention this, either the question or the answer. I asked you. You didn't tell me. You asked me. Uh, uh, you gave me the answer without me having to ask, or I asked you and you told me in character. And this is something that happens between sessions or before sessions started. And it's got to introduce an authority figure um, in either the question or the response. So what that does is it gives me a bunch of stuff as as the authority player to populate the story with. It gives me a bunch of NPCs that you're interested in that are already woven into your story. And it also... Um, gives a moment of um, of informing I don't know what's the word I'm looking for it gives a moment of of, of of communication over what the nature of your friendship is and then finally uh, it, it does that wonderful thing that these sorts of mechanics do, which is to give you the opportunity to author something about another character. Uh, as an example, um, from the Friendship Questions section of the text, and this is an actual play example, someone turned another character gay or, or bisexual uh, through the question that he asked and there was some negotiation. Is that okay? Hell yes, that's okay. You know? Um, but I love when you're like, Hey, you know, when, uh, I caught you stealing from your mom's purse, you know, Oh my God, I steal from my mom's purse now. Uh, I think that's really, uh, exciting and interesting stuff to do. So threefold.
0: Right. And it, uh, it's the, um, that whole group consciousness thing coming out. Um, ultimately like all the players at the table, are their thoughts are contributing to the structure of the weave and the weft of the game, which is great. Definitely. There was
3: an earlier version of the rules where I used the word consensus over and over and over again until it was annoying um, mm-hmm. because there are a lot of things in the game, including the character creation and the world creation and the authority creation and everything where it's like group authored and a lot of communication. Um, so, yeah, that's important to me.
0: You know, I don't know if you've ever read the short story or um, – or heard this heard it uh because it just really came out as a podcast but cory doctor has a a story called after the siege which could very well be like an actual play session of misspent Youth. I, mean, <laughs> I just thought i'd point that out is that part of uh did, did
3: little brother become part of that or did, no, that...
0: Little yeah little brother is set in in more of the modern day um oh, okay but this is set in the future where uh Essentially there's an overarching authority, there's a siege, there's a war on it, starts to get very nineteen eighty four. Um at any rate, I, I just think I mean that, and there's this fifteen year old girl who's going around and essentially uh doing social engineering and hacking yeah, you know, by and, and thereby hacking uh the social situation. Um right. making changes to it. I actually haven't
3: read too much Cory Doctor, although after designing the game, I did get Little Brother, which is sort of a five minutes in the future story. It's, it's, it's a science fiction story without it being futuristic um, because it's about science and it is fiction and it is slightly in the future. But uh, I read it and I was like, oh, my God, except for the fact that it's mostly about this one dude, this really could be like a written out version of my game. So um, I'm interested to hear that other Cory Doctor one.
0: Yeah, and it's this kind of um, confirmation in the literature that tells you you've got a real serious game on your hands. I mean, you know, we didn't know, when I was re- working on Wraith, we didn't really know Wraith would work until The Crow came out. Right. Um, we, would been, we had been working on it, and then we saw The Crow, and we're like, oh, yeah, Wraith will work now. <laughs> um, we know Wraith now. This is Wraith. Yeah. Um, and it, so it's the, same, it's the same kind of thing. Um, cool. Well, uh, tell me a little bit about how you sell out in this game and what it means. Yeah. Uh, so now this is one
3: I happen to know pretty well where it came from because it's on it's on podcast somewhere. Um, uh, in an earlier version of the game, I was trying to figure out a way to do damage in the game because I I didn't I didn't really find you know getting hurt to be that interesting. Certainly nothing like hit points. So I was going to do like what are the interesting dramatically interesting uh are you trying
0: to, are you trying not to say the word fallout
3: <laughs> no 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 i'm trying to remember what i said which 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 was that uh, you know there are only several things that matter when you talk about someone getting hurt in a story you know someone gets right. scratched up someone gets something you know torn or you know etc and i was like blah, blah 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 how do i make this interesting and it was at a um i think it was the 2006 dreamation uh indie designer roundtable i heard it uh, where I was like, how do I do this? And Judd Carlman said, well, why don't you take whatever trait they have and make that a sort of a, a bad or sad version uh, of it? You know, like I, I am a, uh, to, to use like the, the snow crash example, I'm a, I'm a deliverator, you know, who, who delivers pizza uh, like a, like a, like a, a samurai. Uh, well, I sell out and now I work at McDonald's, you know? Um, so I was like, right. oh, that is, that is so fucking awesome. So yeah, so all of the five traits that the characters have uh, can be sold out. If you're about to fail at a conflict, uh, you can say, well, no, I am going to win now by taking on some of the authorities' you know, mannerisms. And what happens <coughs> is you lose forever the free version of your trait, which is what you start with. And from that point forward, you have the sold version, which you can use similarly uh, but it, uh, but it's, it's sort of like a, just a negative, like the, my favorite example probably is fast efficient, right? So you start out as fast, which means that you're, you know, you're like a parkour person. You're really agile, you're really quick witted, you're really, you know, like ADHD or whatever in a, in a fun, mm-hmm. un, unself-controlled way. And then if you sell out, you can, you become efficient. And efficient is obviously better, right? In fact, I've had people say that before. Well, that's better. Yeah, sure, it is. That's de- you're right. That's better. <laughs>
0: um, it's better. It's colder. Yes. It's not as you know. It's certainly less uh, youthful. Super. Yes. Yeah. 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 So
3: that's so that's the idea. And and for all the closed traits, uh, which are those splat traits, the first three, you've got a predetermined sold, uh, free sold uh pairing and you write down both so you can see where you're headed and for the two open traits that you write um uh you know a a short phrase yourself for uh you just get rid of the old one and write a new one in. and what happens is when you win uh daniel um levine a friend of mine uh, has this great way of, of saying how to do it which is you can't narrate something as a sellout unless it makes you feel personally bad because uh, <laughs> people were like in some of the games were like too easily selling out unfortunately daniel suggested to this to me after i was done uh you know with the game so it's this is the ash can so on the final version i'll definitely include that um so you win but you win by becoming like the authority and it should make everyone feel like you suck you know <laughs> and then when you when one person has sold out all of their traits that is the last session of the, of the series
0: wow but that, that sounds, I mean, I can almost see us pulling back on the camera, and Alex is sitting in that, uh, in the clockwork car and sitting on the chair and smiling, the beatific smile um, yes. at the end of the show. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yes, definitely. Uh, I was cured. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Did you know, by the way, that the book version of that, he actually does get cured later? Wow. The book version the one that came out in the United States initially ended where the movie ended. Uh, but the, the original British version, the final uh, chapter is him like, like several years later when he has a kid and he's, and he's completely like, basically he's like, uh, boys will be boys. Uh, <laughs> wow. Which, which kind of is pretty fucked up. I, the whole point was you can't make someone good. They have to choose to become good because, uh, Anthony Burgess, um, if that's the author, I think it is, is, was a Catholic, and he was very much about um, free will. So the fact that someone would try to make someone uh, good uh, was a problem for him. So so he, he has this redemption of his character in the last chapter, but it's also a letting the kid off the hook. So mine makes it really messed up.
0: <laughs> yeah, I tried to read that in high school, and uh, it twisted my brain up so bad that I, I had to put it down. Just the 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 jargon but um oh, yes i would love i'd love to go back and try it now that i think about it I mean, oh well, be- it's
3: it's totally like i got it i got through it thanks to audiobooks it's basically the only way i read ah, now ah, and ah. uh
0: Excellent. and
3: yeah it's it's really good you know the scene where he has that threesome that's all cute and funny in the movie right it's with two 10 year olds in the book eek <laughs> yeah oh my <laughs> and, god and it's not funny
0: no <laughs> no no bad so maybe,
3: yeah, it's it's very bad. Uh, yeah, I don't want to read it now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well,
3: it's not detailed. It's just like, oh my yeah. god, they're 10.
0: <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. So, it's a good uh, book. Yeah. It's a good, uh, well, great. Great uh, movie though. I mean, and you can't you can't talk about mispent youth without talking about Clockwork Orange. <laughs> you can't talk about Miss youth without talking about Snow Crash. And in fact, uh, one of the big one of the things when I was reading about relationship uh, about friendship questions, the there was a line in Snow Crash where uh, Hero is saying, "Does Juanita think Hero is an asshole?" is like one of the big questions of his life. Uh huh. And th- that's that was something that just sort of popped up to me uh, as I was reading. It's just because that's one of the big core points of of the uh, of that character's progress is, right. does Juanita think Hero is an asshole? Right um, and that could be a perfect friendship question it totally uh, could so anyway um how am I going to prepare for this if i if I run it in dragon con what 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 are the what is the short form well in a in a one shot,
3: I would recommend you don't run it with more than four people uh-huh. um, because i I like to play with five people. It's just every time I've tried it at a con, it hasn't gone uh it's gone too quickly. I mean, too slowly. Uh, another thing is um, you probably have to be a little bit more dictatorial um, in, in world creation because it, the system and the ethic really mm-hmm. pushes you toward finding things everyone's excited about. Right. But I have found sometimes that if you do that at a con, you, 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 I basically want, it, it can wind up taking too long. Now, a lot of times I wind up asking things like, does anyone think that they can't enjoy that? rather than, is everyone excited about that? Which is kind of sad, but if you want to get through a whole session at a con, which it totally can be done, you kind of have to do it that way, I think.
0: Right, and so you're talking about, I was going to say, well, do you pre-create characters, what do you do? But you're saying, go ahead and start from the beginning and, and play it as written, right? Yeah, I tried
3: pre-creating characters once or twice. It just It's nowhere near as interesting, I think.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I agree. I would say be to be very specific. Limit yourself to an hour and a half to two hours of prep, and you can actually uh, run the the whole story in two hours if you are willing to go from conflict to conflict and probably skip interstitial scenes. Uh, you know, which doesn't say that you're not going to role play. It just means things would need to be tighter.
0: Right. It's um. So that's that's how it moves quickly and and gets done. Um. Uh, t- towards the end. So you finished actual sessions in a con setting.
3: Before. Yeah, most of the time I finish con- uh, full sessions now. Um, awesome. Yeah. I, I have to be more disciplined about, about cutting things off at an hour and a half to two hours, though I'm, I'm not very good because I'm, I'm the guy who's eventually going to be selling it. I don't want people to be like, hey, why is he rushing me?
0: <laughs> right. At the same time, you know, people need to remember that it's very satisfying to get through something. Yes totally a, to put a to put a bow on the end of the story. Yep. Um so uh I I am dying to know what I mean can you tell tell me what game you played that caused you <laughs> to wanna do this or is that something where it's not uh, expedient? It's it's probably not
3: totally nice and I generally try okay. to be as nice as possible but yes. it's in the book. So okay. aha <laughs> uh it's a Cyber Generation? Okay. Uh, which is the is the sequel to
0: cyberpunk right 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 okay
3: and and we played a session uh called napkin girl which was um to go into why i had a problem with it would probably be really mean just suffice it to say that it it it, uh it had some disturbing things in it and also friends of mine uh, my, my friend and i were not able to do much we were kind of frustrated to in terms of doing anything um
0: so it's but, sort of a uh, waiting-for-go-to-moment.
3: Uh, <laughs> well, it's to like, I mean, as an example, uh, Judd uh, was this homeless kid, and he decided to um, uh, wrap himself up in a trash bag and lay on the ground when the bad guys came into the room, uh, which is brilliant because sure. it's totally like a, like a Trojan horse moment. Uh, unfortunately, his reward for that awesome idea was to sit around for an hour of the two-hour, se- uh, three-hour, four-hour oh. session. So... Oh. Yeah, it was just like, eh, you know. But, but I got really excited about a science fiction game about teenagers.
0: Yeah. Now, do you think that, I mean, what about the uh, the whole worship of youth culture that we seem to have in at least the United States? Um, is this a commentary on that as well?
3: Huh. Po- by accident, possibly. Uh, it, certainly in, in my mind is the... Um, Oh, I can't remember. There was like a frontline documentary or something uh, called the, uh, the, the merchants of cool or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it was, a it was about these people who like work for MTV and stuff and go out to, to, to like show like punk shows and stuff and, and f- or or dance clubs and find out what's, what's cool. Um, uh, yeah. And, and it, and turn it in instantly into something commodified and, and how they're actually going a little bit in the other direction now where they are seeding things uh, into the culture and trying to make them cool. And that's certainly creepy and, and disgusting
0: Astor, and <laughs> Astrotrophy, yes. Astor. Yeah yeah. Yeah, that brings to mind Connie Willis's uh, uh Bellwether the uh novel, which I recommend to you. Uh I don't know if you've read it yet, but it's awesome. It's about it's basically about that kind of thing where uh she's a scientist studying fads. Uh, mm-hmm. and yeah. she studies she studies why certain things are fads and why why they aren't and and what happens as a result um, anyway uh as far as you know this is this is a story to a certain extent about growing up, but the commentary really seems to be if you grow up, you become. A mindless cog in the machine.
3: <laughs> ah, yes, but there's the end game mechanic. Um, if you have uh, more uh,
0: free traits than
3: sold out traits, mm-hmm. then you have a, a positive happy ending kind of story, uh, where you grow up and you don't become an asshole. Um, wow. If you if you you can also if you are free, you can sell out all of your traits to save. Uh, one of your friends and give them a positive ending and take a negative ending yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm also, I think it was Adam Dre who, who was, who like helped edit the game um, to gave me an idea of uh, something to do, uh, which was have people roll a D six for each sold trait and for each free trait and compare the totals, and that way you don't wind up with a situation where it's deterministic and you already know before end game whether or not you had a happy ending, um, which I might do for the full version of the game.
0: Fascinating. Okay, that's. I mean, that's good. I'm glad that there's, you know, even though with games like Wraith where there is no happy ending or Vampire, uh, there's no happy ending, um, I like having games with happy endings. It's my favorite thing to do. A possibility of a happy yes.
3: I should note that it's it, it's pr- I, I don't know, but it's probably rare. Yeah. Because, um, well, first of all, I haven't been able to get anyone to play a complete series, including me. And that's part of the reason I'm ash canning. Mm. Uh, also, to sort of play test the text because I know the game works. Um, but uh, uh, I suspect that getting a happy ending is relatively rare because if one of your friends is all the way sold out, you're probably selling out to some degree or, you know, cause if not, you're letting one person dangle, which is an interesting story and that's fine. I suspect social pressure will be such that people don't tend to do that.
0: Right. I mean, this thing could be, um, it could be a St. Elmo's fire. <laughs> thing. It could be, a, it could be a, a breakfast club sort of story. It could be yes. a, it could be a blade runner. I mean, yep. you know, and there's actually... I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, no. There's actually an element during
3: world creation where you determine things like what the rating is going to be. Um, and...
0: Line,
3: uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, sort of like lines and veils, yeah. Um, uh, that's, that's like... That's, people are sort of shitting on that lately, so like I was huh. like, oh, I don't want to quite do lines and veils because I'm a mindless drone that follows what's popular. Right, um,
0: yeah. But, yeah, you know, I mean, we, have, we're, we, we find patterns and we try to yeah. match them... Sort of, and at least, and it, I think it helps understanding. But you're right; I mean, it's it's different.
3: I actually don't mind lines and bells discussions, but it just seemed right to me to do it in this way. Um, and so, you know, you can pick G, PG, PG thirteen, etc., and or, or whatever you want to actually talk about using TV ratings or video game ratings. Um, and there are some people who are like, you should drop that because you got fucking shit and cunt and all this other stuff in your text. Like, like why? Why are you going to play a G game with that? And I was like, you could, and it might be kind of cool, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, uh, I think it's, I think I, I think it's okay to, as adults, say, hey. We want to play a G-rated game of misspent youth, you know, um, and limit yourself in that way. can mind making it really interesting, I think. Uh, and then the other part is these uh, is um, some, like, motifs where you set up science fiction-y things and then uh, themes where you pick, like, three things that you want to be hammering all the time in the game, like sex, um, race, class, uh, faith, homonegativity, that kind of stuff.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I was interested in that you had uh, homonegativity as, an, as a... Just right out there in front, which I hardly approve of, um, because I wanted to see. The, I, I want to see people with actual gender preferences uh, show up in games. Um, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, with with. I mean, because uh, having, I was appalled at one point where I was. I had finished a two-year campaign of D and D with someone, turned and happened to ask them, "Hey, what's you know? Is your character still a virgin?" And they couldn't tell me.
3: Right, right. Sex is definitely a big thing in, in young adult fiction. And so um, I, I did want to address it in this. And, and uh, it's also, you know, an obsession of teenagers. So sure. I, wanted, I wanted it to be something that was definitely there. But also, you know, class and race and all these other things. um I play with mostly white people because that's who plays role playing games for the most part, unfortunately. Uh, not that it's unfortunate that I play with white people, but that, that's that it's that all that's all who plays for the most part. Um, and whenever I'm gaming, I'm like, so we're all white, you know? <laughs> and and sometimes that can that can wind up saying, Oh, well, you know, do I want to even I don't even think it's like people like, no, fuck like, you know, poor people. I don't want to play poor people, uh, or, or whatever ism you're interested in analyzing um i think it's the, it just doesn't occur to them you know so by putting that stuff out there as things you want to think about at the start of the game um i i, I mean i certainly don't think it's like i'm i'm enlightening people or anything as pretentious as as that but, no. <clears throat> like, but. if if it's brought up you, will, you might think about it, and you might not think about it if it's not brought up, and it's, and it's something that you might be like, hey, I really want to try that. So that's really the, the goal there is to sort of say, you know, hey, if you didn't happen to be thinking of this, what about this, you know?
0: Yeah, I really am very amazed at people who, without, a, without an eye blink, can play a dragon or a goblin <laughs> or yeah. whatever, and they can play any of these non-human races, but then you ask them to play someone who's not their cultural race, and they go, huh? Why would I want to do that? I think um, that
3: there's there's a two pronged element to that. One is that people are afraid, people just aren't interested because it's not their experience, uh, or people are afraid, you know, if they're if they're not mean about getting it wrong and be, and winding up being insulting. And I understand sure. that, but I think that if you say I don't want to get it wrong, you are suggesting that there's a fundamental difference which is in itself kind of weird and I say that as someone who has said I don't want to get it wrong so I'm not, you know, absenting myself from responsibility there
0: Right, well I mean you know, in my games uh, in my, many times in my games we've just discovered oh by the way, uh, this person is black uh, right. but I mean and we hadn't actually thought about bringing that up yet uh, in the story but it happened to be a fact that you know that came up at one point or another um, yeah. because we don't uh, you know a lot of times especially when you're doing free forms like what Cynthia and I do you don't do a lot of you know classification of characters that come onto the stage you say this person comes to the stage boom there they are we're interacting with that person we're not saying well you know, he was born in Mississippi, right? right? <laughs> that sort of thing. Like,
3: like those, like those six and seven page applications you used to have to do on mushes to get a supernatural character.
0: Oh yes, yeah. absolutely. You know, <laughs> you know them well. Then I do, I do, I do. Yes. Um, uh, wow. Yeah, that brings back memories. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the kind of
3: memories that make you go in the shower and rock and cry.
0: Yeah. Uh, Last time I did that, I wrote. I wrote a very, very long, like a five thousand word. Essay for a character on a Serenity mush, and they said, No, that won't, that won't work. And I, I, They didn't say, This is what we find wrong or whatever. They just said, No, yeah. won't work. And I just said, You know what? Screw you and all that you stand for. Yeah. <laughs>
3: well, I mean, it's, that's a kind of, of uh, style of play or mm-hmm. pre play or whatever that I'm just not interested anymore uh, yeah. in. You know? Like, I, I'm much more interested in. Uh, discovery during play than I am pre planning.
0: Oh yeah, well especially since we, I mean I don't I don't know about you but I don't have a lot of extra time to pre plan a game anymore. Yeah, uh, definitely. And also I've discovered it's incredibly wonderful to just jump in. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not. It's not. A, it starts as a
3: necessity and then it winds up being a necessity because it's the only thing that will you know get your your dopamine. You know, <laughs> uh, because yeah. it's. It, it becomes an addiction because it's like, wow! Not only don't I have to do all of the ugly, heavy lifting shit that I don't want to do, but having it occur like extemporaneously, like, is so exciting, you know?
0: Right. Well, what, what do you think about trust in games like this? How, uh, how do I? I've, this is a big question for me. So, how do I engender trust between and amongst players? It will then result in the kind of role play in a game like Misspent Youth that I can we can push our boundaries without having to sort of do lines and veils we know we can trust each other to know that you know Sam is really not going to go that far.
3: Yeah, I think that for the most part it's probably a good idea to whenever you're unsure get explicit. You know, I mean I don't mean like when you're unsure, be as dirty as possible. I mean, like, <laughs> when you're unsure, you'd be like, hey, I'm about to make this person do this thing. Um, is that going to upset anyone, you know? Like, I had a situation where I, I was playing, and actually the first time I ever played my game, uh, which was uh, last weekend at, at um, AdamCon, and one of the players we were playing with played as and not run the game. Uh, one mm-hmm. of the players yeah. we were playing with was like, I'm, I'm going to heroically threaten to rape this woman, uh to win this conflict and i was like holy shit yeah and i was like wow um (laughs) that that kind of fucked me up and i'm not against seeing rape in games but it was like here we come to the save the day i'm going to take down my pants and push her up against the wall and you know threaten to do something to her if she doesn't um you know give us the information we want and i was like oh my god (laughs) So I wind up rupturing his testicle in game, but uh, good. Uh, yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean I think, I think that ideally the game rules my answer to your question is, is not to answer is to, is to sort of fail to answer the question, which is to say, I think that game rules should tell you uh, it, whenever you think you might be in a gray area um, and you don't know people well, uh, check with them, and that's littered throughout this text. You know, you're about to introduce something about this person. Uh, don't be a dick. This is your friend. You know, and mm-hmm. and so yeah.
0: Well, yeah, and the thing I've noticed with trust is that um, there are situations where people people have trust that's broken, and they have to repair that trust. Um, and but but frequently, the trust comes back stronger. So yeah. hopefully um, in a situation where you know if you if you can ask ahead of time people can say no um, and that that just helps develop more trust a trust atmosphere if, as you will, if you will yeah. um, okay well um, is there anything you wanted to say about misspent youth to my Bear's Grove listeners um, uh, besides the fact that because you are Bear's Grove listeners and you probably have played World of Darkness before. You if you like World of Darkness stuff, you know, if you like that kind of hard edged, you know, uh sort of punkish sort of thing, then you probably will like Miss Pitt and Youth. But go ahead. Uh
3: yeah, so pitching. Um I mean I think it's a very it's I know it's a very fun game. I know it's a great. it's a really fun game to GM. It's a really fun game to play. Um and uh it's you know it's science fiction it's it's rebellion it's uh it's friendship uh and it's saving the world and it's uh, it, it it's it's punk in that uh it's it's the frustrated idealism because hmm. um you are stupid enough in this game to believe that you can change the world so it's not true cynicism it is it is like this is a horribly fucked up place, but I believe that you know throwing a Molotov cocktail can fix it. Uh, right. Uh, so, so there's so there's that. Uh, just more generally, it's going to be at um, Gen Con is going to be the release, assuming I can fix this horrible layout problem I was just told about by my printer. Uh, no. no. It, it'll be out. It'll be out. I just will cry uh, making this fixed. Uh, they're like, hey, you need a half inch margin around everything. All right, <laughs> I'll get on that.
0: Okay, so yeah, I, having been a layout artist, I can tell you that, yes, that is uh, hell itself. Yeah, so we yeah. will be thinking of you and, and sacrificing to uh, the typological gods.
3: <laughs> I'm at page 18. I'm, I'm, I'm more than halfway there. Uh, oh. Anyway, um, so, yeah, so it will be at a Gen Con uh, at the Play Collective booth. Uh, I'm thinking about seeing about selling it. Uh, doing like a pre-order thing or like a uh uh, you know maybe selling the pdf or something i i'm getting a lot of really positive response ever since i posted jennifer rogers's cover which is amazing Mm -hmm. Uh, and so i'm like wow people like who aren't going to be a gen con really want this i should probably do something for them uh, so that they can get a physical book, um, but on the other on the other hand, I don't want to have too many ash cans out there. If I wind up making a better version of the game, uh, but you know what, people know it's an ash cans, so this is me continuing to have the argument with myself on your air.
0: <laughs> no, that's fine. And and the thing of it is, thus thus goes ash cans. I mean, uh, you know, we've had stuff like Ryan Macklin's ash can, you know, kind of go away because he just wasn't satisfied with it. Um, but that's ash cans, okay? That's right. You've got to embrace the ash can. Yes. Know, and, and be okay with it. It's a zen-like moment.
3: And, <laughs> you know,
0: you can you can just not get attached. Just, you know, yeah. allow it to wash over you. Um, uh, and it, and I, think, I think I can also maybe talk
3: real quickly, because sure. hearing the word ash can, I want to be clear about what I mean by an ash can in this case uh-huh. is that it is a smaller version of the book with less art than will wind up being the final. Uh, but... I think some people use ash cans to release games that they're still trying to finalize. And I feel like the game part of this is finalized, which is not to say if someone says, hey, there's this big terrible thing that needs to be fixed in your game, I'll be like, no, fuck that. I said it was an ash can that I'm not done with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but instead, um, what I mean to say is that uh, it's an ash can because I'm playtesting the text. And I'm play, and I'm seeing how the long term game works, and I'm seeing if people notice anything that I don't notice. It's a it's a way to sort of uh, put it put the natural natural selection pressure on the on the text and, and see you know what what wings that have to be clipped or
0: whatever. Hmm. See which part of the bush is not a bonsai. That's right. Right. Okay, that makes sense. Um, by the way, you're the first. I, mean, I don't know. Are you the first uh, RPG that has actual ads for actual other games in the middle of the text <laughs> no uh i've seen that well maybe not in the middle
3: yeah. My, yeah my my vision was because it's laid out like a punk zine like maximum yeah. rock and
0: roll oh and it looks my really v- good like that by the way
3: yeah i'm really excited about it i i i there's a whole story there but we're probably running out of time um but because it is that style I was like, I know how I can make it look like a magazine. I'll have lots and lots of ads. And I went to a bunch of friends, and I'm like, please give me an ad. And I, this was like half a year ago, and I got one ad. <laughs> and then I like wound uh- up, and then I wound up like begging uh, somebody, and I got uh, a, you know a couple more ads. So yeah, it was. Um, it was uh It was surprising, um, and hopefully it's something I'm going to fix in the final version and just be chock full of ads, like not even just role playing ads like you know if if there's someone out there who like makes swords or costumes or you know just makes like honey or something, yeah. <laughs> you know just as long as it, it's an ad that looks like it can belong in the in, in the fictional magazine that this is, um I definitely want to 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 give it that look,
0: you know. Yeah, I wonder if some of my old friends who make sex toys for uh, for money uh, would be interested. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, well, that's a theme. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. It's right there. It's right there on point. Um, so okay. Uh, well, certainly, um, this is a graphic achievement as well. People need to understand that um, because you've got you do you do definitely. Um, it looks a lot like a zine. I mean, it's yeah. it's, it's zine all the way through. Which, kind of, that's why we are all wincing when we hear Robert has to go and put another margin on. Uh, I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking at, the, at the Throw Your Body on the
3: Gears page, uh-huh. which is all um, scanned in strips of paper with text oh, on top of them. Oh, oh no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude, that's, that's, that's the one I have to shrink down that, that is making me cry.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, it's one of those things where you, you really have to rebuild the whole thing, don't you? I think Maybe, I do, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well... Um, I will. Let, obviously, you. It's not me that has a time crunch. Bits are free, but <laughs> Mister, I think you've got things to do. Plus, <laughs> you're you're did. supposed to be having fun. I understand. I know this
3: is my vacation in, 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 in Seattle. I'm from New Jersey, and I'm in Seattle for a oh, week wow. with uh, Mickey and Ogre. Uh, awesome,
0: uh, yeah. awesome. Well, uh, hopefully, there will be some podcasting coming out of that. Besides just this. Yeah, but, definitely. Yeah, I'm going to be recording with everyone who'll let me. Well I want to say also uh everybody that uh, Rob has a podcast of his own called the Independent Insurgency, which you've heard a, um, a bootleg uh promo for uh, <laughs> here on the podcast and uh I really encourage people to go and check that out because it's a lot of fun plus Thanks. you go you are very much more structured than I am and oh, yes. so I you can really get down and listen to um Things and compare compare them between the various interviews that you do, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, so, is there anything else you'd like to plug or say before we uh, wrap it up?
3: Uh, just uh, the URL for the game uh, is misspentyouthgame.com, dot com, and the URL for the podcast is independentinsurgency.com, dot com. Although currently, I, I ran out of backlogs, so it's it's been a little while. But um, yeah.
0: Oh well, but. <coughs> People, people are getting what they pay for your podcast <laughs> that's true that's true it's a great it's a great podcast I really enjoy it it's, it's something where if you are interested in game design at all you should uh, begin downloading it right now thank all you. right well um, and that's pretty much it for tonight thanks so much Rob thank you very much Sam can't make it to Gen con or want to know what's going to be happening there tune in to this, this Justin just in from Gen, Gen con. con. With your hosts, Paul Tevis and Ryan Macklin. All the goodness of Gen Con in 15-minute chunks. Available through iTunes. And DriveThruRPG.com. That's it for the show today. I appreciate you listening. The Bears Grove comes to you under a Creative Commons License. Attribution, no derivatives, no commercial use. 3.5... Music from the program is from the Podsafe Music Network at music.podshow.com. I'd like to thank our guest, Rob Bowl, and I'd like to leave you with a promo for a novel, a patio book, called Omega the Novel. Thanks, and sweet dreams when you get them.
2: July 1947, a strange craft crash landed in the New Mexico desert. The military is dispatched to discover exactly what it is. What they find is nothing short of a universal mystery. In the summer of 1985, work begins on a human extraterrestrial hybrid, one with magnificent abilities and vastly superior strength. This project, the Omega Project, is funded by the Department of Defense and headed by General Hendricks. A three-star general, madly desperate for his force. Unfortunately, the hybrid, Omega, decides he no longer wants to be a soldier. But, with his talents and skills, will he answer our call when we need him most? After all, who said heroes had to be human? Omega, Earth's hero, is crash landing at a podcatcher near you July 17th 2008. Subscribe now at com and visit the MySpace page at myspace.com forward slash novel or the blogspot at omegathenovel.blogspot.com